Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. I grew up in a church setting where um, you, like, in between songs, the, like, keyboardist knew, like, you keep playing, and you transition into this smooth next song, and the person running the PowerPoint would, you know, just hit it perfectly. And I, I loved the fact that Laura came up and moved a transparency. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't get any more opposite from that. Uh, and I, I, honestly, this is what I love about this place, is it's really not a show. It's really not. <clears throat> okay. Scripture reading this morning. Um, we don't do much uh, Paul around here, but uh, today I think Paul has something to say. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'll read it again. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. On Thursday morning, as I prepared to exit my children's school, I walked by one of the teachers standing outside her classroom. She had her hand on her head and let out a deep sigh. I stopped and asked her if she was okay. She had just realized that she had forgotten to take her son's lunch out of her own bag. And now he was at his own school without a lunch. She's a single mother from Spain with no family and hardly any friends here in Portland. Before arriving at her own classroom at 7.30 a.m., she drops her 10-year-old son at another school around 6.45 a.m. She won't see him again until 6 p.m. I said to her, would I be allowed to, look to deliver him his lunch? She looked at me with a healthy mix of confusion and relief. I could see her eyes filling with tears. She said, oh my gosh. Are you sure? Of course, I replied, noting that I had a meeting in the direction of his school anyway. 
As I drove towards his school, his lunch bag sitting in my passenger seat, my phone dinged with Facebook Messenger notifications. She was messaging me using praying hand emojis and handing me the title of an angel. For me, this didn't feel at all like a task worthy of so much praise. It was effortless for me, and it made me feel good to help her out. Throughout the day, I received many more messages from her, filled with appreciation. And when I picked up the kids later that day, she hugged me and thanked me another 10 times. I continued to reassure her that it really was quite simple for me to help her. But no matter how much I tried, it seemed like she couldn't be convinced that this act was anything but a miracle. Fast forward a handful of hours. I was here with the high school teenagers, sitting on our space down in the community building. About 45 minutes left in our time together. One of the high schoolers asked me if she could light a candle. The teen who asked me this question had sent me a text not even 24 hours before this moment asking me to pray for her. She had just found out her beloved grandmother passed away after battling stage four lung cancer. I found a lighter and we watched as she methodically lit a dozen candles, sinking them into a tiny box of sand sitting on the coffee table. Soon we could see the candle light reflected in the tears running down her cheeks. For the next 45 minutes, a handful of high schoolers and I sat with this young person as they cried, sometimes sobbing, and told us the story of her relationship with her grandmother, the memories she has, how she asked God to give her a sign that her grandmother was watching over her. I was so proud of everyone in that space. They didn't offer those cliche lines we so often resort to when sitting with someone in grief. They weren't trying to fix anything or to cheer up with silver linings. We just sat with her and her closest friends hugged her and held her while when the sobbing increased. One thing this person, young person continued to do was apologize. I'm so sorry for being so emotional, and I'm sorry I didn't expect this to happen. Each time she apologized, it was meant with a chorus of, please don't apologize, and we are proud of you for opening your heart to us. As I lay in bed that night, I thought about the single mother who forgot to pass off her son's lunch, and I thought about this young person and the way in which they both responded to a moment of unanticipated vulnerability. For one, it was a need for intense praise, and the other repeated apologizing. It made me think about how I felt as a witness or participant in these two scenarios, how seemingly absurd it was to be praised so much for a simple act of delivering a lunchbox. And how silly it seemed for a person crying out and mourning the passing of her grandmother to apologize for it. But those two things didn't seem absurd or silly for too long, because I had been in both of those places myself. 
In fact, I stand before you sensing that I am in one of those places right now. Many of you know that this has been a particularly challenging season of life for me and my family. Since early October, it has been a steady stream of bad news for us. Our housemate unexpectedly telling us she was moving out in just a few weeks' time, dental pain and two root canal procedures over three weeks, the painful decision to rehome our new puppy, Luna, navigating academic challenges with our son, and all the financial burdens that come along with those things. I did what I always do with these things. I told everyone about it. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you got a play-by-play of all of this. But last week, some doubt started to creep in. I started to worry about the outcomes of my vulnerability, especially online. After such a run of bad news and subsequent vulnerability, I started to worry that it was too much. I couldn't put my finger on why I felt that way for a few days, and then I really sat down and wrestled with it. I was starting to worry that I seemed like too much of a mess to be taken seriously anymore. I worried onlookers would lose their faith in me, or that my voice and my reputation was diminished. I worried that people who counted on me to be a solid presence in their life would look at me as wishy-washy, unorganized, unprepared, irresponsible mess. That was some real and dark stuff to be sitting with. For the first time in my life, I started to understand the appeal of creating a facade. Because I was confronted with the reality that we can equate a person's worth with our perceived sense of their competence or how much they have it together. And it made me realize that this was all about power and domination and that it really had no stinking place in the heart of a, and mind of a person who follows the life and teachings of Jesus. And I was back to thinking about the teacher slash single mom and the morning teenager and about how they responded to their own moments of vulnerability. The crying teenager, like so many others, apologizing for their sobbing. Why? Why do we apologize in those situations? Is it it because we feel like we have put others in a compromised or an uncomfortable position and we suddenly need to reassume the role of caretaker? making sure they can find a way out of their discomfort if they need it? Or is it a posture of humility or submission? I am sorry that I am being this way, and I hope, you don't ho- I hope you won't hold it against me going forward. Please don't remember me in this position, weak and broken. Is that because we fear those who are witness to our vulnerability have climbed a few places above us in the imaginary ranking system of humanity? Well, if so, Jesus is here to blow that up. And I think it is the profound and crucial work of the church to flip the cultural dominant patterns of acquiring power or prestige upside down. 
It is the first it is the first shall be last and the last shall be first gospel of Jesus. It is a radical move away from assuming power or worth based upon domination or proclaimed competency. And why? Why this way? Because our own abilities towards compassion depend on our belief in this upside-down way. It is a daily acknowledgement of our own mess, our own doubt, that allows us to be humble enough to come close to the messiness and doubt that exists in our neighbor so that it's nearly impossible to assume dominance over them. It is in the shared humanity of our brokenness and a radical commitment to humility that we undo systems of oppression and move away from patterns that create and sustain suffering. This is nothing new. Again, I kind of feel silly saying something that has been said hundreds of times in this room. But considering that I am a vulnerability evangelist, and this week I started to doubt its merits, is proof enough of the ever-present pressure on all of us to assume the posture or crumble under the weight of power achieved through ranking ourselves above another person. I trust that if I needed this reminder this week, that at least one other person in the space needed it as well. How have you responded in moments of vulnerability? How have you experienced fear about how you will be perceived because of your vulnerability? How have you created space for others to be vulnerable without judgment? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends.